from Los Angeles, California. This is the Rider Strike Chronicles podcast, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Saturday, January 5th, 2008, day 62 of the Rider Strike. In today's episode, I speak to Strike Captain Kevin Droney at the Picket Lines at NBC Studios. In this recording, Kevin and I actually walk the lines, so it's possible and probable that the sound quality is a bit uneven. Okay, that's it. Let's roll. I'm on the picket lines here at NBC Studios. It's the day after the late night shows return to the networks, and I'm here with... Kevin Droney. Kevin, you said you had a talk point. Can you share that with me? Oh, I was half joking, but I do think that the alliance, they understand how profitable the Internet is, but they don't understand how powerful it is now, and it has actually thwarted all of their efforts to contrive divisions within the guild and create this sense that they are controlling the media. And they tried very hard, in the early weeks especially. And I, How did they do that? Well, I mean, you would have a mass rally, for example, outside the Fox building, and they'd give it five or ten seconds mm-hmm. on one newscast. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, yesterday, I noticed that ABC had one of their reporters out here giving a two or three minute interview with the people out on the line, and I think they realize that they're just shooting themselves in the foot looking like fools by suppressing, suppressing it. it so. so tell me, um, um, you're a strike captain, what, have you, what do you write for and how's your resolve these, as the weeks go on? The resolve is, is rather astonishing, which is what makes it all the more amazing is you're sitting there. I was running a gate uh, over at Universal, one of the shifts, and I had half a dozen screenwriters who completely understand. And, and two of them have uh, movies in current release. I won't mention their names because they wouldn't like that. Fair but enough. And they're, they're talking with perfect clarity about what's in it for the screenwriters, just as one example, which is a lot and then to to hear that there are screenwriters trying and i don't we're not even sure they're really screenwriters trying to create this idea that oh this is a tv strike is utter nonsense and uh, it's not you could i think it's an amptp ploy to try and float that one out there and see if anybody bites because the real resolve on the lines is there isn't even any question on the core issue which is new media internet uh compensation especially to screenwriters if you're a screenwriter and you're looking at the next three years, you're going, I might write a movie, and instead of them releasing it on a DVD, they may stream it to, you know, through, via internet-associated uh, uh, new plasma TVs, and suddenly I'm watching all of my deferred revenue yeah. disappear if I don't have a small piece of that. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of resolve is based upon, you know, I put three children through college on residuals. I, and if that disappears for the next generation, or even me, I'm not done yet, then uh, I just don't know how uh, screenwriters would sustain, because they, more than even TV writers, tend to go through longish periods of unemployment, and if they don't have a nice check coming in uh, once in a while, that is something that they did well on that is making somebody money, then I don't know how they would survive. As the weeks have been dragging on and the issues just haven't really changed, um, I'm trying to change things up and make my show more listenable because mm-hmm. it can get kind of boring talking about the same stuff. Yeah. So I have a game. I wondered if you'd be interested in playing with me. It's well. called the AMPTP Bitch Fest, and it's where you get to bitch about the AMPTP if you want, but you just can't use the word greed. 
I can't use the word greed. <laughs> uh, I think I think that the, we can use the word ego. I, there nice. seems there seems to be as a person who you know understand something about marketing and worked for three multinationals before I ran off and joined the circus, you know, which is Hollywood. Um, I used to sit in these meetings where they would talk about profitability in, of your division and your company. And if you uh, didn't meet their usually super highly inflated goal for the next year, they were very unhappy with you. So one of the things that I find fascinating is for them to pretend that they're going to break us because we've made them upset, you know, that we have angered them. And you go, what kind of businessman actually really, truly thinks that way, you know, and who do they think they're frightening with that? So their egos, if in fact they are allowing themselves to be upset and are going to, you know, cause this town untold strife and hardship because of their egos, then they're just terribly bad businessmen. And if this is a ploy, well, nobody's buying it. Nobody really believes that that are what the highly profitable divisions that we're contributing to aren't important to some boardroom somewhere, and that this is going to get the kind of pressure that's going to come out of it. And uh, I think that they have completely misjudged the resolve. Getting back to resolve, and think that somehow they can scare us. So they're using, uh, you know, something akin to terror tactics. And it shows up in other blogs, such as Nikki Fink's, who immediately breathlessly reports what I consider to be quite foolish. You know, oh, you know, the, the, she. I think on Christmas Eve they came out with this classic, classic little ploy to try and dishearten people, which is, oh, let's, let's really make them feel bad right, on Christmas Eve. And you're going, what, what kind of human beings are you that think that you can just... You know, pop all of this propaganda on us. Like we will never, ever, under any circumstances, we're willing to let the 0809 season go down the toilet. You know, and cost billions of dollars rather than let you negotiate a fair deal. I think it's a little bit akin to ancient warriors trying to uh, scare people. You know, I mean, if you remember Braveheart, if you remember Braveheart, you know, they would paint themselves blue and go out and waggle their bare asses. And, and, you know, and and, and you're trying to create this idea that you are ferociously insane. Maybe they should paint themselves blue and come out and and waggle their butts at us because that's the only thing they haven't tried so far to frighten us. And it really doesn't work because they just look foolish. It may have worked for Braveheart. It's not going to work for them. I don't think they can pull off the kilt thing, for one thing. (laughs) Anything you want to say as we wrap this up? Any parting shots? Just anyone who thinks that we're going to go away just because they say we should go away uh, has completely misunderstood why we came out here to begin with. We didn't expect to strike. We thought these people would be reasonable. I have inside information that we really thought that new media... Uh, we really truly believed inside that new media would be easier to negotiate than, say, getting a bump in DVDs because it is so a new model. Yeah. And, and to say that our leaders were strike happy is to miss the point that they were, if anything, if anything, they were a little bit overly optimistic about how easy it would be to avert a strike by possibly giving in on the DVD issue, which they did, as you will recall, yeah. and then getting down to the brass tacks about the future. And in that, they were wrong, but 
they were wrong because I think they gave too much credit to the other side and assumed they were dealing with real businessmen instead of whoever is running this particular show at AMPTP. And that would be my wrap-up. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have been listening to the Writer's Strike Chronicles podcast. For more information, visit our blog at wgastrike2007.blogspot.com. 